Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to City Church U's Knowing God Guided Reading Podcast. We hope you will join us this holiday season as we read J.I. Packer's modern classic, Knowing God. All right, guys, we are officially in the final part, part three, talking about chapter 18, and J.I. Packer calls this chapter the heart of the gospel. This is one of the longer chapters of the book. We're not going to be able to dive into every nook and cranny of this chapter uh, that we would like to and that we would encourage you to do as you discuss this, hopefully with your friends and other people reading this book. Uh, but we want to just kind of share some thoughts and, and model some discussion around this. So the, the opening kind of sets forth an important theological word called propitiation. And he talks about there's pagan propitiation, and then there's also propitiation in the Bible. And this is, uh, you know, kind of payment. That's really the easiest kind of... A, a debt owed, a, a payment needed, a, a sacrifice that had to take place. And a, a big distinction, he says on page 80s, when he's talking about this, he, he talks about a callous commercialism, a matter of managing and manipulating your gods by cunning bribery. In other words, here's what I need to give you in order to just continue with my life and move on. So I'm mm-hmm. manipulating you as if... I'm just going to do whatever I need to do to kind of trick you, bribe you, satisfy you, and then I'm going to go off and just live my life. And that's not the Christian view of propitiation. Um, And I think that even though it's easy to look at all these crazy examples, this is very common too with the idea of like, when I was six, I said a prayer and then that's really, I didn't do, nothing changed in my life. There's not real faith. I just kind of, I knew that I needed to say that prayer. Um, Yeah. And I, I think that kind of, draws in some things like that. But as you guys think of pagan propitiation, are there any things that come to mind? I just imagine how frustrating it would be to just constantly be at odds with what you're perceiving as these gods out there in the universe who are like either working against you or working for you and just how frustrating that would be to not know like what's coming next? Am I in? Am I in good relation with them, or it just feels like a very mm-hmm. manipulative relationship? And I don't. It just it's like seems scary. And plus, yeah. like some of them had multiple gods, and like how do you know like what's going to like bills that had to be paid? You yeah, know, just, but, okay, yeah. gotta go pay this bill. Gotta go mm-hmm. pay this bill. Yeah, like yeah. how do I appease all of them and continue? I don't know. It just seems like a really frustrating state yeah. of being. And it's really what the. Um, Protestant church broke away from Mm -hmm. in the Reformation, and even still, like, I meet a lot of Catholic students, and this is the same idea. Mm -hmm. Like, I go to confession, and I'm told, you know, pray these prayers and X amount of Hail Marys, and, like, it's Mm -hmm. the same sort of thing. Like, you're trying to provide some sort of, like, almost like service, offering offering service, payment to God in order for Him to just be okay with you. Yeah. But you have to keep doing it and doing it and doing mm-hmm. it because it's never good enough because you're going to sin again. Mm-hmm. So Just like the animal sacrifices. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so Packard takes the time to talk about it in the scriptures, and we, he, he gives us four main passages. He gives us uh, Paul in Romans 3, 21 through 26. He gives us Hebrews. He gives us 1 John, uh, two verses out of 1 John. And, and I encourage you guys to actually sit down and look at those verses, mm-hmm. especially after reading this, to go back and to look in the scriptures and to see how this is pretty clearly laid out in, in the text. And he says this because it's important for us to understand that, that Christ had to be a propitiation for our sin, his work on the cross. And he says this, he says, a gospel without propitiation at its heart um, is another gospel than that which Paul preached. The implications of this uh, must not be evaded. It, it is a false gospel, a gospel that is rid of the fact that Jesus had to die on the cross in our place as a payment. Mm-hmm. If you remove that, you have a false gospel. This is that first-tier issue of, like, this isn't something that we disagree about, and mm-hmm. we're both on the same team, same page. This is salvific first-tier issue. Um, and so he kind of outlines that a little bit further in the next station or next um, uh, section, and he says it's not merely an expiation, like where he just erases it off a dry erase board. It's gone. It's never going to come up again. Like, it's not just like we could sin against God and then him just snap his fingers and say, I'll just forget like it never happened, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's not a holy God. And you you should um, check this out, uh, uh, you know, but as we look through that, you know, there's a a significance for us to understand that our understanding of the gospel must have the cross at the center. And that's really what Packer opens this chapter up with. And then I want to kind of discuss this on page 184. With that in mind, he says this quote. He says, the wrath of God is as personal and as potent as his love. And just as the bloodshedding of our Lord Jesus was the direct manifesting of the Father's love towards us, so it was the direct averting of his wrath against us. This is where the cross not only shows the love of God, but also the wrath of God. So my question is, why do we so often focus on the love and avoid discussing and thinking about the wrath? It's not very fun (laughs) to think about the wrath. Um, I I think, and we talked about this in the chapter about wrath, but I mean, like thinking about wrath means that we have to look in the mirror against our sin it's easier to think of love and Jesus has forgiven me of my sin, but I think it can be harder to think about wrath because it means that I have responsibility with my sin and I, I do have to like put it to death. Yeah, most definitely. And I think it can also be a little confusing, like especially um, young believers just may, may not have the full concept of wrath and that mm-hmm. the wrath of God must be quenched. So in that Jesus accomplished that for us, but we just might like make mm-hmm. light of mm-hmm. the, I mean, wrath mm-hmm. is a pretty strong word, but if you don't know what it means and yeah. you don't have like some of that background information, I just think it can be like a That's kind of where my mind went was just, it requires more biblical framework to sure. just understand Definitely. the the severity. Cause I think a lot of times when the gospel is presented to people, it's presented in a way that, you know, is trying to say, you know, if you place your faith in Christ, then you will be saved. And a lot of people don't have much more framework about what does it mean to place my faith in Christ? How does that tie to the cross? Mm -hmm. Is it just a profession of belief that Christ is God? Is there a profession of his work? 
And this requires more conversation, more framework, more biblical literacy. And I think that's why um, even reading this chapter, Packer really tries to pull together a lot of passages that not only speak of Christ's work as propitiation, but also that tie back to the Old Testament where we see this sacrificial system that was serving to foreshadow and to point to what Jesus would do on the cross to be the final sacrifice, the ultimate propitiation. And I think that that's where um, it's really important for young believers to realize it's not just about saying, okay, I believe in Christ, now I move on, but trying to actually understand more depth of his work, which is something that you spend the entirety of your life understanding more and more. He, he goes on to describe it a little bit further to talk about it's the work of God himself. So unlike the pagan views of like, you know, we bring forth the propitiation, mm-hmm. like this was actually something that God had to to be the lamb and the priest, uh, both both factors. He, he also says uh, it was made by the death of Christ, so we had to understand that like Jesus' death was necessary. That was where it happened. Um, and then this is kind of, I want us to slow down here. Just once again, this is a long chapter, but it, he says that it manifests God's righteousness, that it served to declare his, his righteousness to us. This is where I think it's good too to say the cross did not just give us a path back to God in restoration, but it also showed us where we can see God more clearly about his righteousness. Mm-hmm. How does the cross help us understand God's righteousness and the severity of our sin? I mean, this, uh, the verse here, Romans three twenty-five through 26, um, that he is both just and the justifier. It really shows us that God saw our sin and deemed it so egregious that he thought it of himself. Hmm. I mean, using the language of the book to propitiate it for us because we are completely unable to do it ourselves. That's why like Christianity is so unlike this pagan propitiation because Mm -hmm. we realize that we don't gain peace by God through our actions. We gain peace by God through God's actions. Mm -hmm. And so in realizing that like God deemed it so necessary, like we, we see that, okay, well now, now that I have received this gift of grace, Mm -hmm. I see God's righteousness even clearer in the fact that he did all of this for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree with that completely. Yeah. And I think too, that that just really magnifies sin Mm -hmm. because we see that just the, the links that had to go through in order to see, but it also magnifies too just the righteousness of God, how there was nobody and all, no one could, could stand in that place. That's how far all of us had fallen from, from God's design and from grace. um, Packer also talks about that. This is the driving force of Christ's life that he's, he's born to die. He's uh, he in, in that, you know, his central mission was to be this, sacrifice this propitiation for his people in order to restore them and how that death was a very real agonizing thing so packer mm-hmm. outlines all of that um and then he he i think something that's just really important here that he touches on on page 195 in just discussing the different elements of this he talks about um peace and he says you know think third 
of God's gift of peace through this. And this is a word that, you know, we talk a lot about in Christmas time, peace and, you know, like, and I think a lot of people discuss peace as an emotion of, or just like a emotional feeling like, oh, I just feel at peace when it's raining outside and it's a Saturday and I don't have anything to do. But, you know, for the Christian, peace is such a, a more profound, important thing for us to grasp. And he says, um, the truth after which this account of God's peace is feeling, though it misrepresents them as well said, is that God's peace brings us two things. One, the power to face and to live with our own badness and failings, and also contentment under the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. Um, and it brings us peace with God. He says the peace of God, first and foremost, is, is peace with God. So the peace of God, sorry, is peace with God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just tomorrow's going to be okay, I'm going to get the promotion, da, 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 all the mm-hmm. things that we kind of associate. A couple of things for us to unpack here in thinking about the peace of God that comes from this. One is, you know, the the idea to be able to live with our own badness and failings. We, we talked earlier in this podcast about the heresy of antinomianism, which is, okay, well, if I'm forgiven in God, then I'll just sin. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's a way in which because Christ stood in our place on the cross that even though we know that we are not that we are sinful people who can't live up to that standard, we can go to sleep at night. H- how does that how do we balance not falling into antinomianism, which says I can just sin as much as I want because I'm forgiven, and then also at the same time being able to Yeah, you know, not being so anguished over our brokenness that we can actually have some peace and, and go to sleep at night. Yeah, I really think we can do so because biblical peace is not a feeling. Sometimes it is. Sometimes, so, like, it really is a feeling, and you feel at peace with the Lord. But, the like, biblical peace is a truth, an eternal one that cannot be changed or manipulated in any way. And that peace is that Jesus died for us. Mm-hmm. And we know, and we've talked a lot about assurance in this book, but we know that through Christ's death, there is assurance mm-hmm. of an eternal salvation. And so, you know, on the one hand, we don't see forgiveness and think, oh, well, I'm forgiven. I'll keep sinning. Mm-hmm. The Christian clearly thinks opposite to that. They see their forgiveness, then they see God's righteousness, and they think, God has done so much for me. Now I will live my entire life for him. But I think we can really have peace because it's a it's a truth. Mm-hmm. Like just because we don't always feel it doesn't mean that it hasn't been brought to us. Like there is, you know, peace mm-hmm. on earth and goodwill to men. Like so many, you know, all, during this Christmas season, yeah. peace is peace has been bought already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just can't think of like any greater source of peace and contentment than than that blessed assurance that we have in salvation and. Um, I really appreciated Packer just talking through it and cause peace is just one of those words that just gets overused and like the mm-hmm. biblical definition is different anyway. Um, but he says, um, so he, he asked this question about, um, when, when Jesus, uh, came back, um, to see his disciples after his resurrection. And he says, why did he, why did he do that after he'd mm-hmm. shown him his hands and his side? Um, not just to establish his identity, but to remind them of the propitiatory death on the cross, whereby he had made peace with his father for them. Mm-hmm. So it was like this gift, this action, like you were talking about peace as an, it, it's an action. It's a, it, it's like the conclusion of Jesus's work on mm-hmm. the cross. And, so when we talk about our 
peace that we can feel in life, even though we know we're not, we're not perfect. We know we're still sinners, um, that we can point to the cross and we can say, that's, that's Mm -hmm. why that is why. And as Christians, I think it's also important kind of, you know, our duty to live in a way that is God honoring. And that doesn't mean that we, we wallow in this guilt. And I mean, we're set free from that. And I think Mm -hmm. our life has to show that, um, that we're not bound by these past sins. Like there is freedom and salvation. Um, and we find contentment, true contentment is peace and joy and satisfaction Mm -hmm. in in that salvation Mm -hmm. and that relationship with God. Like that is a gift because otherwise we wouldn't be in relationship with God. He would, you know, but he set that up so we could come back to a communion with him. Yeah. And that we don't have peace because God is real. We have peace because Christ died. I think that's really the behind the the thrust of this Mm -hmm. chapter is as Christians, it's not that we can make sacrifices like pagans. It's not that we can know God because it's beyond that. For mm-hmm. us, we have peace because Christ Jesus died in our place on the cross. It doesn't make us want to sin because we realize that our sin is what made it necessary for Christ to come, but it allows us to, to realize, wow, we can, the, you know, I love the way that he puts it. He says the peace of God is peace with God. It's not an emotional feeling about our work situation, an emotional feeling about our marriage, our family, this world. It's an emotional feeling. It's it's actually a state of peace with God. And I think that was what Hank was saying is that there's a peace that we feel, yes, but more importantly, there's like a peace as in a an actual peace between us and our offended party, God himself, mm-hmm. and that peace exists. Even when we don't yeah. feel the emotion of peace, sure. we still have peace with God because of that. And then all of this, he wraps up the whole chapter in saying all of this too is thinking of the meaning of God's glory, that in all of this, it it happened within the Bible, within the narrative of the story, unto the glory of God, that it actually brings God glory that all of this rolled out in front of us. And what a great thing for us to meditate on as we think about this chapter in this holiday season. So we will tune in next to chapter 19, Sons of God. Mm